Hey, this is Curran, and this is the Daily Reflection Podcast. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, quick shout out to Jeff Bame of Frederick, Maryland. He's been helping out with editing and helping us get these episodes out the door. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, what's going on? Who's in the studio today? So today is April 21st and we have Kern L and he is here to talk. To, he's from Jacksonville, Florida, actually. And he's here to talk to us about today's daily reflection. And that is cultivating faith. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, Kern. It's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, we get started in the same way every day. We ask the guest to read the Daily Reflection. Would you help us get started? Yes, definitely. April 21st, Cultivating Faith. I don't think we can do anything very well in this world unless we practice it. And I don't believe we do AA too well unless we practice it. We should practice acquiring the spirit of service. We should attempt to acquire some faith, which isn't easily done, especially for the person who has always been materialistic, following the standards of society today. But I think faith can be acquired. It can be acquired slowly. It has to be cultivated. That was not easy for me, and I assume that it is difficult for everyone else. Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, paragraph 307 through 08. Fear is often the force that prevents me from acquiring and cultivating the power of faith. Fear blocks my appreciation of beauty, tolerance, forgiveness, service, and serenity. That's great. Thank you for reading that, Curran. And before we begin, can you tell us your sobriety date? Uh, my sobriety date is June 9th, 2020. So you're a pandemic kid. Pandemic baby. A pandemic baby. So let's talk about this. As you read this, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? So I think one thing I can, without a doubt, trace back to as young as being like seven or eight years old, was just uh, always needing, wanting something. Both my parents were in AA or still sober to this day and very lucky enough that I never got to witness them drink, take another drink again. But throughout life, there was times when there was always something missing needed something. And, you know, my, my dad had separated and uh, when I was really, really young and I always wanted to be around him, you know, we had a very tight relationship. We, or I would always just felt like I needed something, whether it was like, you know, from toys to, you know, clothing, once, you know, you're, I'm in my teens, but always needing something to be satisfied to then later on in life, in my twenties, once I started drinking, always needed some type of treat, some type of reward, whether it was like, I had to have that beer after uh, a day of work. Like I, I had to have it. I deserved to have that. I, and I remember I always wondered if that would go away. And 
maybe there's not an answer to that. I, I feel like I had to stop stressing over that. So when I, I see that word uh, uh, materialistic and inquiring all that, that definitely kind of hits out of the ballpark. When I first definitely got into AA, because I remember hearing stuff about that before. So always, always searching for something outside yourself, I think is what I'm hearing. I relate to that. It's like never satisfied, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering, it also mentions faith as you've come into recovery, has faith played a role in your, in your program? When I, when I hear the word faith, I think of hope <clears throat> and when I don't really, and I feel like maybe in other instances, faith is, uh, related to uh, religion. So I feel like to answer that question, there's a yes and no. No, as in regard to religion. Yes, as in there was this personal belief that I, I, one, I needed this, I had to do this, but I wanted this. And then it sounds contradicting at the same time. Well, it's like, well, what is, what is that? What was that? Is there something stronger out there that regarding to religion that has brought me in and luckily has still kept me sober so that could be faith and um, but what is faith i mean it could be what i mentioned earlier hope hopefulness you know i don't know if that ties into like having like a higher power or something so i'm not sure i like that and i don't know that any of us are really ever sure until you know maybe lots of more time of working on it And, and like it says here it's just about practicing and practicing and and cultivating and eventually it starts to unfold for us, whatever that is. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what brought you in? You're, you're a young person. So obviously you're coming in fairly young in life. What is it that brought you in? My uh, drinking had gotten like I could, uh, I didn't start drinking till I was um, 20 yeah 21 like a late 21 it would would just be a drink here and there but um when I started that but I remember when I had first started drinking it was like as like for a mental punishment because I just wasn't felt like I was just failing at what I was doing and then later on you know life goes on things are good yada yada and then let's you know drink here and there and it just started to gradually grow and if I look at this timeline of when I started to when I stopped, it just got work like it just well, like a growth. It just kept growing and growing and growing. Uh, and the hungover, the hangovers were worse and worse. But it got to a point where before I didn't really put two and two together, but I had severe anxieties. Uh, my I've always, you know, had depression, but it was just the depression and the anxiety was just getting worse, worse, and worse. And when I was living in Philadelphia, I was definitely living kind of like, I say, like a uh, rock star life of just treated really well. I was was in fine dining. I was a bartender at a very well-known restaurant. So hanging out with, you know, either like, uh, you know, well-known people in Philadelphia, uh, rich people, celebrities, to punk rockers, to whatever, all kinds of genres of groups. But being like, having like a social group or social life in each and every part. I was drink- So yeah, I was drinking a lot, but then um, it got to a point where my, you know, I was having a lot of suicidal thoughts, a lot of uh, 
the anxiety, my anxiety was through the roof and, and just, um, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, it was, it was to a point where I couldn't even close my eyes and not, not be at ease. And then I moved to, uh, once the pandemic uh, happened or COVID happened and everything, I, we, I helped my some family move over to, to my hometown from Dallas to here. And, um, we, and then I decided to uh, stay and just move, move here. I would help take care of my grandfather in the mornings and bring him breakfast and, I have like a responsibility and, uh, and then since I'm here, I drive everywhere now. And, you know, before I just walk everywhere, living in downtown, you know, I, I'm, I'm one, I had an episode where I was, I, I was just, I was, you know, I got really drunk and my drinking was just getting more and more excessive because it's how I would drink in Philadelphia, but my tolerance was just getting so much higher. And then I ended up leaving my parents' house and moving with some friends and great friends, neighborhood friends. And we, uh, I remember saying, you know, I needed to take a break because I, I wanted to be at service and be there for my grandfather. If my dad or my stepmom needed me, I wanted to be there for them. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm drinking again. And it was, uh, I started drinking, you know, I would make myself cocktails being a former bartender. I, I was drinking at like 12 at one. Oh, I was unemployed by the time I was on unemployment just kind of hanging out and just drinking. <laughs> so it was like 12 lunchtime noon and I was drinking all until 4am and I could have kept going. And I, yeah, I was probably drunk, but I felt fine. I wasn't blacked out drunk. And, and I just remember thinking, I, I can't keep doing this. And it was that same thought and statement I had when I was in Philadelphia. I was, I was, uh, you know, drinking a lot after work, you know, that's what you would do. And, and I had episodes where back in Philly, I, I would, you know, I'd end up, in the hospital or something. And I, and I, one time I didn't remember how I ended up in the hospital, but I was in the hospital. And, and then the second time I remember checking myself in the hospital because I had just drank so much. I thought I was going to die. But I remember even in Philly a few years ago thinking, you know, I, I can't last another year here because of my lifestyle. And then it was funny because I remember talking to my stepmom about like when we, I moved them over here from Dallas to here. I was like, oh, let me just, just give me one more year. And then my stepmom's like, what's one more year going to do? And it was so contradicting because I knew I, I would have lost another year there without a doubt. And I think I was, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever expressed this, but I was, I'm like terrified to go to like rehab or, you know, like anything beyond, I don't know. And it's just, I don't know why I just am, but I knew I had to stop and I, and it was hard for me to stop. The best example was like, yeah, I said, I got to stop and I end up, and I did. I, I quit for like three months and then boom, I'm, I'm living with my friends and I'm drinking even harder now. So that's what brought me in. Yeah, I can relate to that. That almost complete inability to stay stopped. Like I could stop for a period of time, but I could never really seem to stay stopped for long. And toward the end, it was, you know, that's just a nightmare to be in. It's I, I remember feeling like I'm on this treadmill and I just can't get off. So tell us a little bit about how you found the program and, and how you started uh, working on recovery. I, I grew up going to AA meetings because of my, both my parents, um, my, my parents met in, uh, in the, in going to AA. So they would always say like, Oh yeah, you know, we'd bring you in when you were like, just, you know, in the little baby carriage, so to speak. And friends of my parents that, uh, that I know to this day would say that and growing up, you know, yeah, I remember that. I remember being in the rooms young because then they couldn't afford a babysitter. So, you know, you bring them in. And we've, you know, we were good. We're pretty good kids. I remember we're, I 
to my knowledge, I felt like we're always quiet and respectable <laughs> unless we're a baby crying or whatever, take them out of the rooms. So I always knew about AA and I always felt comfortable about AA. Like I never felt scared going into AA, which was honestly a blessing. But when I, from my anniversary date, uh, June 9th, 2020, I literally Googled AA meetings uh, availability on Zoom or something like that. Just I just Googled it because I, I, I had to do it. I had to start, like, but I wanted it, you know. And whereas before when I was living in Philadelphia, I remember I had an episode where I was, it's a late night, night before Father's Day and just, you know, a night in Philadelphia. And the next day it's Father's Day and I'm Father's Day brunch, faces an inch away from my plate like I'm about to drop into my breakfast on Father's Day with my sober dad (laughs) then that day I remember I was so hung deathly hungover I remember like going to AA meeting that day because you know I was like oh I I gotta do this now you know I didn't go back after that like I didn't want it so with this time it's like you know I, I did you know, I'm go- I'm con- I found this home group that was based in Atlanta, Georgia, that I found from just Googling AA meeting availability on Zoom. And then, and then that became my home group called Group 24 and great group. That's, that's pretty much how I really, that's how, that's how my, my <laughs> AA sober journey started, basically. I love the story. And, you know, the fact that you have two sober parents. And, and you were exposed to AA as you grew up. I, there are a lot of kids, you know, we're older and we have kids your age and we might be saving them a seat. It's kind of cool to know that the example of sobriety does plant some sort of a seed and you knew where to go. You knew there was a solution somewhere. I find that hopeful. Did you actually talk to your parents about your need for recovery or your problems with alcohol before you came in? So, um, when I mentioned earlier, like kind of like my backstory, I had a I had a really bad night of bad afternoon of drinking, and um, they 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 were gonna uh, check me into like a, a recovery center or something because I was just out of control. And yeah, the, after discussing, they're like, "All right, we'll just you know let you. You're an adult. You're gonna do what you got to do." But you can't, they set like a boundary, like you can't, you know, you can't drink in our household anymore. And so then next thing you know, I, I end up, luckily, I, my great friends needed to uh, live with them. Great. And I got a job and next thing you know, I just started, but things were good. And then I started drinking again, but it got even heavier, but I didn't tell them that. And not that I didn't feel afraid to, but it was, it was just, I felt like I was an adult and Yes, I'm an adult, but I just, I guess I kind of kept it behind uh, closed doors, so to speak. And um, yeah, did you, did you talk with your parents about it? Did you use them as a resource? You know, were they, or did you kind of do it on your own? Cause you already knew where the solution was. Gotcha. No, I didn't, I didn't, cause I was afraid I was going to go back out again. It wasn't until a good few months I, I started telling my, but a good month after I, I had told my dad, I was like, yeah, I started going to meetings and, and it was very, oh, that's great, you know, cause. Yeah, it's great. You know, of course my parents are gonna. Well, of course my parents are gonna be supportive of it. Um, I remember my dad telling me, uh, you know, if, and I, you know, I could tell in his eyes how, like, you know, he was very serious and very, I don't say concerned, but or worried, but just in the moment that uh, 
if I had any questions or need help with anything, just, you know, I can always talk to him. And I'm like, of course, you know, and, but uh, I, I've definitely kind of taken lead on that, which I kind of, I definitely pat myself on the back and I'm not saying I, I definitely can't do this alone. I definitely took uh, a lead on, on going in and surprisingly, like, even though I was an AA, I didn't get a sponsor until like uh, f- uh, f- five months, five months in. I didn't have a sponsor until, yeah, five months in. And then I started asking around, like, my dad's friends who were here and there, that if uh, theirs in Philly or wherever, that if uh, they could sponsor me. And they're like, no, nah, you're too close, too close to your father. To, you know, you need someone you don't really have this full relationship with on both sides. So I had to, you know, take lead on kind of just, you know, my dad helped me find someone. And then, boom, you know, just one step here, one step there, so to speak. But I will say a lot of it has been on on my end with the help here and there with my dad. So speaking as a as a parent of someone right around your age, I'm curious about if if anything your parents did or said or, or behavior they modeled. Do you think that helped in your in your willingness to seek recovery? I remember uh, when I was living in Philadelphia, I had this thought: Oh, it'd be cool if I could be sober with my dad. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. There's quitting, quitting wasn't really an option then, or pretty much impossible, it seemed like. But to answer your question, I think, yeah, there was, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you hear people how long they have, how, how many years they've been or whatever, how, how many years they've been in recovery and stuff. And you're like, oh, damn, you know, they're a veteran. I think at the end of the day, it's still on you. It's not about that. It's on your hands. At the end of the day, I'm not trying to sound like some expert, but what I will say is because of my experience, it's got to be on your own terms. It's, you gotta, and it sounds so cheesy, but you really got to want it. I mean, yes, you can, your experience is, you can be at your lowest low, but still keep going. You can still just be like, all right, fuck it. I'll just keep going. I'll just keep drinking. But there's just, there's gotta be like that spark of, of just giving in, you know, getting down on your knees and just saying, "I, I, I give up. I can't, I can't keep going. Yeah, you can have a role model. I don't. I don't know what good that is. If it's, you still got to do your part. I don't really. I don't really think it matters if you have a role model or not, because you're in a room full of role models. But at the end of the day, it's still on your part. And my my answer may totally change from here on out, but that's just what I think. I mean, I don't know. I think that's a great answer. I I, I agree from my perspective. You know. I wasn't going to do it until I was ready to do it. And I have a friend in the program that says every bottom has a trap door. No matter how low you go, there's always lower you can go if you keep keep it up. So until we get to that point where we're done, we're just not done. So let's project forward just a little bit because it's now. What What kind of relief have you found in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous? How's your life different today? And it's not you know that far down the road, but a significant amount of time considering you weren't able to stop drinking on your own for a long time. It's, it's, it's really cool and very, very happy and thankful because right now I can say I'm, uh, I just crossed nine months and, and then, uh, was it April, March, March 9th will be, uh, my 10 months. If, you know, I'm getting closer to a year. It's definitely out of my system. And <laughs> the anxiety aspect has been, completely gone on and yes there's going to be whatever a stressful day or stressful day at work or incidents in life whatever and yes you're going to have some some hints of anxiety but 
this type of anxiety where I'm not sleeping for a few days, basically, and barely eating for a few days because of the anxiety level. I'm very, very happy that that's um, out the window. I don't feel sluggish. Physically, I don't feel sluggish. Uh, Definitely gained some weight, but that's cool. So I was definitely skin and bones back then. And I think I was just very surprised and relieved for sure that my definitely just my anxiety. I mean, yes, there may be, you know, cause I've always had this depression, whatever, for a long time, but I, I try not to use that as an excuse to anything, but I'm definitely not like severe or depressed or suicidal by any means or suicidal thoughts. So I'm very good for that. So that definitely went away and, which is amazing. I, I cause I didn't really think, you know, I, I don't know if, but for some odd reason, I didn't really think it was the alcohol that was making it worse, 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 worse. You know what I mean? So to answer your question on that. Yeah. So, you know, there's probably a number of folks in the same situation as you were coming up on 10 months ago, your age, young, concerned about having to give this thing up, give up their party lifestyle. What advice would you have to, to somebody in your shoes? Uh, advice to someone who's like, yeah, tr- like, trying to quit or yeah, yeah they may, maybe they they're not sure if they're if AA is for them and they they just know that they have the same type of problem you had where you know you just couldn't leave it alone felt like you you were you were always anxious depressed had some of the same symptoms that you did they're not sure what to do about it what what advice might you have for them um well why it was i didn't really think it was the alcohol and it sounds so crazy i, I really didn't think it was my excessive drinking that was making it making it worse gradually you know and so i think my question is you know maybe it's alcohol or or maybe it's uh you know i was going to i was doing a lot of therapy too and uh i wasn't sure if it was a therapy because i was doing a certain type of therapy for trauma called emdr so i wasn't sure if it was that you know there's all these resources that like help that i was like doing and i'm like well what's not working no i mean it's like nothing was working it seemed like but I, th- I would say, you know, like, is it the, <laughs> the first question, is it the alcohol? Is it alcohol? Is it drinking? Thankfully, I never, I, I really, I never got into the drugs and I never did drugs. So that's the thing too. It's like, well, what are you doing? You'll know when there's something that has to change and you can at least try it. Just try it. I mean, you'll know. And if, if something's getting that bad, you'll, you'll know, you'll know when it's time. Would you, as we begin to wrap up here today, Kern, would you suggest to folks who might be thinking about coming in that this is not a difficult process or, you know, talk to us a little bit about the advice you would give to them regarding AA as a, as a tool for recovery? You know, it's hard when you think about it. It's hard if you try to think of this time, like, oh man, that guy's got, you know, so-and-so years or... I got to do this. I got to read this. I got to read that. Cause for me, what make, what's hard about the, for me, this, now this is just for me, like the readings. I, I don't want to read, but I'll do it. It's, it's, so there's certain aspects where, or like waking up for an early meeting. I don't want to wake up for an early meeting, but now that I start doing it and it's like, you know, we do a, 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 a Friday mornings at 7am. You know, I can't wait. I can't wait to go to that meeting. And I'm always there. And next thing you know, it's like, okay, you keep doing it, you know, you get used to it. And it's like, I guess like if you were to wake up for 
wake up for work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it can be challenging, but then you get used to it. It's, it's a grind. It's not hard, but it's a grind. Yeah. There's, there's, so, I mean, there is some, I wouldn't say it's easy. Nothing's easy. Looking back, it's, it's, it's not that hard, but it can't, it's, it's just, you know, you get there one, one little, one little speck at a time. Yeah. I love that. One day at a time, one minute at a time, if necessary. Yeah. Well, Kern, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a real honor. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at daily reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. The Daily Reflection Podcast is produced by Lee McGinnis and Michael Lynn. Editing services provided by Jeff Bain.